Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all and I uh, hope you're having a good start to this uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, we've got a busy uh, show. We're going to review some cricket, obviously. We're going to talk to Simon Doyle. Then we're going to look at uh, later in the show too. talk to David White, the CEO of New Zealand Cricket, about the upcoming schedule about to be announced for summer. We get a lot of texts uh, coming in saying, Smithy, do you know uh, what's happening at home next year? Well, we're about to find out the official release this morning and we'll talk to David White about that. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Storm Purvis as well. Uh, because, of course, uh, we've just named the Commonwealth Games netball team. There's been a couple of omissions, but uh, was it an easy team to pick for Dame Nolene? Well, Storm will tell us all about that. And uh, Tali Bivalakwa. Now, Tali Bivalakwa is uh, the coach of Mainland Poakai. And Mainland Poakai, of course, is one of the five franchises in the newly formed uh, New Zealand Women's Basketball League. Fully professional, um, so they're getting the same money as the men. Uh, and they're uh, hitting the ground running, uh, first game uh, tomorrow night, and uh, her team, Tully's team, is in action. We'll talk to her uh, as well this morning. So busy morning as we look to get through to midday in the next three hours. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. So how does something so good become so bad so quickly, and we're not talking avocados here, we're talking about the Black Caps, 3-0 whitewashed, outplayed, outlasted, out thought and what price now do we put on attitude and intent and don't think for one instance that this New England is the complete package start at the top they haven't even got an opening partnership of note yet but neither now it seems do we our highly vaunted bowling attack seems a bit timid now not leaking runs but hemorrhaging them at an alarming rate sometimes a winning performance can stem before a ball is bowled it's an attitude first displayed by the selectors if you pick a team with one too many batsmen sacrificing a bowling option in the process you are saying to the opposition we need that extra batter as insurance just in case we are worried ever if ever we could have shown the faith in the middle order is now surely mitchell and blundell have bought so much insurance to gary stead and kane williamson they could have played five bowlers pretty important you would have thought in a fourth innings defense of a run chase by actually trying not to lose this test match first we perhaps forgot about winning it in the end. Spinners, spinners and spinners. How long have we been talking about spinners? You cannot play at Hagley Oval on a green one every day of your life. Jack Leach, 10 wickets in a test and he's hardly a wizard. Michael Bracewell, 10 minutes in test cricket and he's hardly the answer. When you go and do a job, you take the right tools. You can have the fanciest, sharpest nails in the world, but without a hammer, it's not so easily to bang them home. They haven't mentioned Baz or Stokes until now. England changed their coach, their captain and their method. I'm not for one second saying we should change our coach or our captain. It's more that they have to change themselves. The game is going up tempo and we're sort of stuck in neutral.
Right, we're trying to get through to uh, England at the moment, uh, trying to speak to uh, Simon Dool. Hopefully he becomes available to us very shortly. But uh, just looking at that performance uh, overnight, I mean, all three test matches, uh, so so the same. Uh, there we were, we batted first in all of them. There we were, we got into a situation where we um, were defending what I called uh, pretty healthy run chases in the fourth innings of a test. I mean, I'm not sure any side has ever chased down that amount three times in a row. It's quite rare to get close to 300 in the fourth innings of a test match. Uh, so uh, what happened? What happened and why did it happen at such a quick rate? Well, attitude, is, uh, as I mentioned, is, is a big thing. You've got to have the intent to win, and certainly England have found that. Um, it could have turned to custard for them two or three times. It could have gone either way. We had them uh, in trouble on a number of occasions when those run chases, uh, but they found a way to get it done with one or two individuals stepping up at the right time. So that wasn't a problem whatsoever. Best, I played uh, the innings of his life, perhaps, in Trent Bridge, so that helped us out, helped them out considerably. Stokes was uh, quite solid when it mattered. Uh, and, of course, uh, then you get Joe Root chipping in as man of the series. I mean, how do you... Uh, that's the other thing. How do you... <laughs> not get, when you scored over 500 runs at over 100, how do you not get man of the series? Poor old Daryl Mitchell will be wondering what he has to do to get that. But the essence is, how do you give man of the series uh, to a player on a side that's lost 3-0? Simple as that. You can't do that. And Blundell too, uh, his performance at uh, 6 or 7 has been uh, quite the revelation. We know that he's a fine player. We saw him get 100 at the MCG against Australia. Not many sides do that. Well, not many players do from New Zealand in particular, but Here's the thing, uh, you know, you, you've got to make sure, you have to make sure that you get the right balance going into a game. What are, you dis- what are you trying to do? You must get 20 wickets to win any game of cricket. You simply have to win uh, by getting 20 wickets. England got a 20 wickets every time. Um, and, uh, and they did that with a, a variation on a bowling attack, some old, some new, and some unproven. Uh, but they, they found a way to get it done. And, and we, we've... Uh, We've left ourselves wide open here, I, I kind of feel. And I know that Dooley, if we can get hold of him, is starting to look very seriously at a change of captaincy so Kane can just concentrate on the batting. It's quite clear that you know he's not going to be full-time for us uh, anymore. Uh, he's got the, the elbow injury, but uh, also he's got other commitments and things. You know, the, the days where we could expect Kane to steady the ship are uh, lessening uh, all the time. So it, it is not, uh, it's just simply not, um, what we uh, what what we wanted going into the series, I remember well and truly going back that um, when we looked at England, uh, perhaps being the favourite for the series, we got a number of text people coming in saying, "How the heck, how the heck uh, can you put England as favourites?" I mean, they're a rabble. They've won one Test out of the last seventeen. Uh, just because they've got a new coach and a new captain doesn't mean to say they're going to be a great team overnight. Well, they weren't a great. They didn't have to be a great team overnight because. We sort of handed it to them uh, on a plate a wee bit. And once they got their toe in the water and they started to feel comfortable with that water temperature, uh, they just kept walking further and further, deeper and deeper and taking more risks. And you know, and uh, they were led to do that and they were allowed to do that by a coach who just said to them, the drawer is off the table. I mean, and uh, the captain has said, yeah, I'm with that policy as well. Let's go for it, fellas, and let's enjoy what we're doing going forward. Uh, so, you know, it's it's going to be, and one of the underlying factors of this now is that um, England, um, and I won't say they're on a roll, but their their fans are right behind them now. You know, the grounds are filling up again. Uh, you know, the ratings, the television ratings are going through the roof because they've got a winning combination playing the right kind of way. Is this the way that Test cricket has to be played going forward? Is it, is it uh, one of the reasons why 
they were so good is because they just went so up tempo on us. I mean, the, the runs that run rate uh, conceded by our bowlers across the board was quite staggering. Uh, uh, you know, this, the the part time spinners that we had and the, and the, the the you know the token spin effort we had was going sometimes seven eight runs per over. I mean, you just cannot defend a game of cricket when you're losing it at such a great rate. And and when you've only got four bowlers, you've only got four bowlers. Goodness me, what would have happened if um, Southie or someone had a pulled a side strain on the first day? We were left with three bowlers. Left with three bowlers in a test match of that nature. So I think we completely and utterly got it wrong. We've done this in the past where uh, we have been worried about how many runs we're going to get in our batting lineup. So we, we tend to protect that at the expense of just going out and winning the game. So it's been, it's been well, revealing, I suppose. Very, very disappointing in the end. I mean, I, I can't think of a series um, recently where this side has been, you know, top of the tree, World Test champions, and, you know, apart from uh, Australia. How badly does this compare? I think we were done worse in Australia. Just looking back, we lost 3-0. But at, those, at no stage were we ever really in the games in Australia. We were always up against it. We were always going to the ground under pressure. We were always trying to claw our way back into things. This time, at least... For the first three to four, three and a half days of the test, each test match, we're in it. I mean, you know, as I said before, those those were healthy run chasers. They were decent old run chasers that uh, they had to undergo, uh, and and the, the fact that they could do it three times in a row uh, and just get better and better at it. Three wickets only lost this time around. Three, uh, and that was out without getting uh, great starts. They haven't found uh, they haven't uh, answered all their questions by any stretch of the imagination. You know, they've got uh, Ollie Pope, who's developing now at a number three. Uh, it didn't look like he was going to be able to make the side until they said, well, there's no room for you at four, five or six. So if you want to play, you've got to bat at three. He's never played at three in county cricket. He's learning to adjust to that. But Alex Lee's uh, is far from uh, the finished article, and Zach Crawley's under pressure, it seems, on a daily basis. So they have not, uh, you know, they've not blunted us from the word go. We're, we've been okay. We've been okay in the bowling department, but... It is just uh, from very, very disappointed. So for whatever's coming up um, in the future, uh, we, we have to be better prepared. We have to come home and think very, very seriously about what kind of pitches we're going to play on here uh, because producing green ones is not going to win us the World Test Championship. That's been proven because sides can come here and beat us on those. So we, we've now got to start developing a better all-round surface to play our games on so we can go away and play overseas and do better. It's as simple as that from my point of view. And we we should learn the lessons from this 3-0 hiding in the end. It's 9.13. 9.18 here on SENZ. Uh, John from Auckland has called in. John, uh, what did you make of uh, that final cricket performance? Oh, disappointing, mate. You know, um, They went into this test series thinking that their old formula would work. Um, obviously it hasn't. Jamison got injured. Um, these bowlers broke their backs trying to bowl all these overs. Um, it was quite apparent that you know that they couldn't handle the situation. Um, and then you know Williamson was outplayed in all facets of the game as captain. Um, I know he's been in the IPL and he's been all over the world um, and he's been been there for us in the past, but. Yeah, I think it is time that he might have to step down as captain. But then again, you look at Latham. Um, he only had one score of note. And then you have mm. Young there. Um, where was he? He couldn't bat. 
to save himself. You just had Mitchell there, Mitchell and Bundle, who pretty much saved us from being absolutely thrashed. Um, it's quite disappointing, mate, because, you know, 12 months ago, they were world champions. John, it's a mindset thing. You know, uh, You know when you talk about the, that style of leadership that you had amongst those three guys, they all think about the game pretty much the same. Uh, you know, and, and they are on the, the conservative side of things, and that's worked well for them. Uh, you know, on, on green pitches and when those pitches that suit our bowling attacks, um, you know, the way they have at home in particular, that's fine. You can sit back and, and something's going to happen for you because the ball will do something. Uh, and we don't get attacked. Because of that, we don't get attacked. And, and we were. we were. Our bowling attack was actually assaulted by the English batsmen yeah. because it's not just the fact we couldn't get them out. It's the fact that they scored so quickly, John. That was, that was a thing unheard of, uh, yeah. batting run rates in, in Test cricket. Unheard of, mate. Well, it looks to me that um, they're playing their old form of game that they won the series, you know, they won the World Series in, and everyone's figured them out. You know, you've got Brendan McCullum there who's, who's just laughing, not not at New Zealand cricket, but just the way he probably thought, man, this is so easy. I know this game plan inside and out. And then you've got Stokes there who's like, yep, I'm all with you, mate. We'll just smash the ball. So um, yeah, I think there needs to be changed here, Smithy. I know you're you're an old old cook, and you need to get in there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that they are interested in uh, in me. Uh, to be perfect, I'll tell you, I've got David White after eleven o'clock. I'll ask him if there's a vacancy, but uh, he'll say no um, as, as as quickly as you can think of. So it's you know, I mean, I, I think it was um, John. The, the, the telling thing for me is that we've we've just got to change. We've got to change a, a, a couple of things that we look at, and you know, uh, we just don't become awful players overnight. But I, I look at two or three of those uh, players that you, that you mentioned there. Uh, Will Young, 133 runs at 22. He had a reasonable second test where he got 150 and a 40 something. So. You know, it wasn't a total write-off for him. Uh, but where's he batting? Is he batting in the right place? Mm. And when you look at two guys failing who could perhaps change roles, why didn't they? Uh, why didn't they at some stage say, well, Will Young, you go to four. Devin Conway, you go back to open. That's where you scored a test double hundred for us. Why, why didn't they make the adjustment there? The reason why is they're, um, they're worried about, you know, the, the extent of the batting and, and how well the batting did uh, over a period of time. Now, if Tom Latham had have, uh, fronted up early in those first uh, two test matches, would they have had the confidence to say, we don't need an extra batsman going into the last test? We need 20 wickets. Tom Latham, 121 at 20. Uh, 76 of those runs in the last test innings. 76 of those in the last test innings. People were starting to say, John, um, how good is Tom Latham against the very best bowling attacks or the very big situations? So there's a question mark over uh, our top order all of a sudden. Well, exactly, mate. And he failed against South Africa too. Um, to note, and and why didn't they play Patel? Why take him when you're not going to play him? It just bemuses me, Smithy. Well, the Patel thing is uh, is an interesting one for me. Bowled two overs for 22 at Lords, and he got pumped. So too did Jack Leach, though. Jack Leach didn't play. Uh, in, in fact, Jack Leach hardly f- uh, figured at Lords. To be fair, he got concussion, so we take him out of that, and they brought in the. Uh, is it Parkinson, their spin bowler, and we caned him. We dealt to him, and, and that was good. We showed an attacking attitude towards him. Leach comes back. He was um, not world-class at Trent Bridge by any stretch of the imagination, but they stuck with him because they knew the conditions in their own country 
would serve spin well at some stage, so they stuck with them. We didn't. We played a part time. We can't play. We can't treat spin as part time. You can no longer afford to tre- treat spin as part time. We have had part time spinners for so long now. Santner doesn't turn the ball. He's just a containing bowler. You know, um, we have had uh, Ravindra, uh, another one, and, and you know we we just continue, continue to have these uh, these part-time spinning options. So it's just it's not suiting us. We have to treat spin bowling with more respect in this country, otherwise well, uh, yeah. our spinners won't get treated with any respect overseas. Well, Smithy, the next Test series is in Pakistan, and I can't see them winning a Test there playing like this. No, well, Pakistan will be at them. Um, not only do Pakistan have good spinners, Pakistan have really, really good pace bowling attack. They've got a better all-round balanced bowling attack than England have. I can promise you that. They they are real quality. So, um, you know, I, I just I, I look uh, I look at that uh, with a bit of trepidation. All of a sudden, I'll be interested to see the confirmation of our summer at home, John, and see who we've got lined up. I'm pretty sure we've got Sri Lanka. I'm pretty sure we've got England as well. So uh, we'll we'll just um, we'll just wait and see, mate. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, got a couple of others uh, on the board we want to talk to before nine thirty. Uh, we got uh, Richard, I think. Uh, Richard from Omaru. Yeah, good morning, Richard. Morning, Smithy. How are we? Oh, a bit depressed, mate. A little bit depressed. Yeah, yeah. I know. I think we're all all New Zealand cricket fans are a wee bit frustrated at the moment because now you're right, Smithy. That we've got to change our way we do things. Our mindset's just that we seem to be so obsessed with um, you know, lower order runs and being one dimensional and all that but, you know, we've got to start looking about playing a spinner more often, Smithy because, you know, when we come back to our home summer, we're always about playing on green seamers and seams and winning test matches like that but that's not going to help us going forward, is it? Because at some stage, we've got to start playing a spinner more often back home because how are we supposed to ever develop one if we're going to continue, um um, how how are we going to develop one for Well, we can't, Richard. We, you, just, you just simply can't because you cannot simulate test cricket level uh, at at first-class level. One, there's no atmosphere. Two, there's a whole lot less pressure. Three, there's no television coverage. You know, it's like you know, you know, playing a glorified um, st- uh, standard of, of club cricket, really, playing first-class cricket in this country these days because no one goes to watch it. It's only really the players and their families there. Uh, and, and you know, and that is the same, and that is the that is the breeding ground for that. But the other thing about that is our batsmen. You see, our batsmen don't attack spin, uh, even at first class level. They don't go after spinners the way Brendan McCullum sent his batsmen after our spinners. They just don't. We're not trained to do that. We don't have that attitude. So spinners over here, they get away uh, with they get away with bowling cheap overs. They become uh, containing bowlers, not attacking bowlers, because they don't get attacked. Uh, and and that is the you know it's an all round attitude. It's the way. We treat spin bowlers over here in, in a number of ways. And when I say treat uh, spin bowlers, uh, I mean it in a quite general sense. So, Richard, it is a bit yeah. depressing. I, I can sense that uh, you're a little bit down in the dumps about it. But, hey, look, uh, David White's about to announce this morning a very busy schedule of uh, cricket here at home. We had a poor season last season where we lost two test matches, including that one to Bangladesh. But we've lost six out of eight. Uh, and uh, if they're not looking at that very seriously in the powers that be, I'll be very, very surprised. Thanks for your call, Richard. Uh, might uh, go a little bit further north, I think, to the beautiful Tutakaka, where Michael is waiting for us. G'day, Michael. Hey, Smithy, how are you? Yeah, hey, hey, but I uh, appreciate good cricket, and England played a lot of that, didn't they? 
They did. Yeah. Hey, just a question for you. Do you uh, yep. do you think we deserve to be the world championships or did we get there more by good luck than good management? And and, and are we expecting ourselves to punch above our weight now? Well, I think they're very valid there, questions. We, we, we got, yeah. yeah, we got there because Australia never went to South Africa, right? Mm. Yep. If I recall. Um, and so, uh, 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 have, I mean, to me, this is all about leadership, right? Like, Williamson's on the radio this morning going, oh, with the benefit of hindsight, we should have played a spinner. Really, mate? Like, the Poms could see it. The guy got 10 wickets. Their spinner got 10 wickets in the match. This is this mm. is down to selection and leadership. But, uh, you know, did we, deserve, um, did we deserve to be the world champions? I don't know. I think it's a we very are, valid question, Michael, and you, you're so right about the fact that we might have got through quite softly to get it. We played uh, quite a bit of cricket here at home. A lot of sides uh, didn't weren't able to fulfil their overseas uh, commitments because of COVID um, and uh, all sorts of lockdowns, etc. So I think we did get the rub of the green there, but you can only do what's in front of you. You can only play what's in front of you, and the, the simple answer is when it came to the crunch, we actually played quite well. When we had to deliver the goods, Michael, we did. We delivered against uh, England and England prior to the World Test Championship. And we delivered uh, against uh, India in the final. So, I mean, we did. But from that point, uh, you know, it has gone downhill relatively quickly. I also failed to, um, I mean, the World Test Champion as such, it is it is what it is. But, man, uh, until you beat Australia in Australia, for me, I, I don't think you can really say you're a champion side. Uh, you know, Michael, uh, and and maybe there's uh, it's the way that it's drawn up. It's a it's a nice, it's a nice theory. It's a nice um, it's a nice competition. What it means is that test every game of Test cricket has something on it, and I totally agree with that concept. I, I think that's been good for Test cricket in that regard. But you know, it's a it's a bit hollow because it, you, you to be I think to be the genuine world champions, you at least have to beat Australia in Australia because. Uh, how they're not, uh, how they're not up there on a daily basis is uh, is uh, a bit. It's a bit um, doubtful for me anyway. Michael, thank you very much for your call. I get the gist of what you're you're up to and what you're thinking. It's nine thirty here on SENZ. Uh, we'll be back uh, very shortly. But here's Araha. Nine thirty-two here on SENZ, and a really exciting time for New Zealand uh, women's basketball. The National Basketball League recently under com- underwent a complete refresh as uh, Basketball New Zealand set it up, so women can now get paid uh, the same as their male counterparts in the NZNBL. Uh, the league is officially known as the GJ Gardner Homes Tohi uh, Basketball Aotearoa. It is uh, just a, a fantastic uh, competition. It is, is going to be 12 uh, games home and away beginning the 29th of June. And tomorrow night, uh, that is, of course, uh, the opening game is uh, between the mainland uh, Pōkai uh, and, of course, uh, their uh, southern opponents, the Hoiho, which stands for the yellow-eyed penguin. It'll be at Cal Stadium. And uh, the Pōkai, uh, this year coached by probably one of the most travelled basketballers, male or female, in the world, Tully Bevelakwa joins us this morning with uh, experience playing in the women's NBA uh, in Australia, Germany, Hungary, 
uh, all over the damn place. Uh, Tully's <laughs> so well-travelled. Uh, gee, you've got to think that they've done a great thing in getting a lot of experience. Welcome to New Zealand, and uh, welcome to the, this new wo uh, women's basketball competition. Tully, you must be thrilled to be part of it. Thank you so much. As you were saying that, that song, I've been everywhere, man, popping into my head. Um, you know, I'm, I'm super excited to be here, you know, one, because it's just such a beautiful country, um, but two, to be a part of history um, of women's basketball here in New Zealand. Um, it's, it's exciting times right now. It sure is. I mean, you know, one of the big factors of it, of course, is uh, the fact that, you know, there's remuneration for the women and, and they're so, so they damn well should be too, Tully. But it's the fact that it's more an opportunity as well, isn't it? It is. And it's a long time coming. Um, so obviously you've just mentioned I'm from Australia and Australia just finished their 41st season of having a women's national basketball league. And, you know, so this starting now is, is just going to elevate women's basketball here in New Zealand. It's going to give the youth something to to dream about pursuing. And, and if you can see it, you can be it. And I think that's the thing um, that really we need to promote to uh, keep uh, young girls involved in basketball, to seek playing at the highest level. It will only just make the national team stronger. And also it gives the, the local players the ability to stay home and play on local soil in front of their family and friends which hasn't happened, um, except if you're playing, obviously, with the national team at this level. So they're, you know, investing women, and uh, you'll see the rewards. So, Tully, in this window, I mean, it's a 12-game uh, home-and-away uh, window as such, which I suppose at some stage that will expand. How does that set in in terms of world basketball? And what I mean by that is how attractive will it be to people wanting to come and experience it from overseas? Well, right now, time, time frame-wise, it's actually kind of perfect because you can have players playing in the Women's National Basketball League in Australia, then coming back here to play. You can try and um, gain uh, players from Australia's import to come over and play. Um, it only really um, conflicts um, mostly with the WNBA, but it just allows our players to continue playing all year round and then post this season here in New Zealand, you know, players can then look to even go overseas to Europe. So it just allows them to continually play all year round. Tully, with your experience, your resume, um, playing basketball uh, all around the world, uh, I would imagine you could get on the coaching staff of uh, pretty much anywhere, any time. So <laughs> why, did you choose New why did you choose New Zealand and this inaugural um, uh, NBA, uh, NBL competition? You know, it was, um, it, it, first of all, it just kind of like came out of the blue. I was um, commentating for the Indiana Fever um, in the WNBA, and um, this just came up, and Lynn Dunn, a former head coach of the Indiana Fever, contacted me and said, this person by the name of Caleb Harrison is reaching out to seek potential coaches um, for this position, and would I be interested if she put my name forward? And it, you know, it just grabbed me, and it was also close to home, which was uh, kind of useful as well. But, you know, I was looking for something new, something different, just to really um, get my teeth into. And I hadn't been – I'd been out of the coaching for a couple of years, um, having been a part of the Indiana Fever coach staff, coaching mm -hmm. staff. And, you know, I really felt like this was 
put in, in in front of me. It was meant to be, and it was an opportunity that I think if I said no, I would regret for the rest of my life um, being a head coach. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't. I, I really didn't hesitate, and it fit in well with my family. So, just went for it. Yep, mother of two as well. So you're a busy lady. Uh, look, here's a. Let's find out a wee bit about your, your group uh, and, and your uh, roster, can we? The mainland uh, Puakai, of course, they cover the region from Christchurch geographically up to uh, the top of the South Island around Nelson and, and Blenheim, etc. So uh, tell us a wee bit about uh, the squad you've been able to assemble, their age, their range, their experience, etc. Well, we consist our, our main senior group um, is of between that 20 to 27 age group um, and then we have development players that come in and out and obviously you know they're you know, just underneath uh, you know from 17 upwards um, but we have three players uh, Tessa Boagni, Lauren Hippolyte, Mary Goulding that are a part of that uh, national, the New Zealand national squad um, and so you know we're looking to elevate them um, maintain their positions there. We've got um, three imports from the US um, who are like just coming out of college or have been removed from college basketball um, one or two seasons and have been staying overseas in, uh, in various places in Europe. Uh, they're young, they're hungry, um, and they are ready to go. And the style of basketball that I'm looking to, to play tomorrow night is an up-tempo under control, though, um, but high energy, up tempo, with aggressive defense. Um, on top of that, so it, it's going to be fun out there, and you'll see some really, you know, skilled athletes on the floor. So, is there a limit on uh, overseas talent which you can allow into your particular uh, your roster as such? Is there a number on it? Well, each team was able to bring in three imports. Right. Okay. Three. So, okay, that uh, limits yeah. the opportunities. But we yeah. we've seen that as well uh, um, in uh, the NBL for men as well. So that that's cool. Okay. So, um, how long have you had with them, uh, Tully? How much experience have you had uh, with them at trainings, etc.? Well, we've had uh, one month of preseason. Um, unfortunately, you know, um, being still a semi-professional league. Um, our numbers at practice early on in the season fluctuated just because we had to work around uh, work commitments, uh, schooling. Um, so we've done a lot of pivoting here and there to to accommodate for the players um, because I understand you know there's a lot of things going on that they still have to keep up in their lives, um, as well as family as well because some of our players have children too. So as a parent myself, I understand all those commitments. So. Um, I think that helps with trying to juggle our schedule around those aspects of life. Um, so we really haven't had everyone at training camp um, up until this last week, although we still are without Alafotu, who has been competing in the 3x3 competitions um, over in Spain. Mm. So she gets back either, I think, late tonight, but won't join the team until um, tomorrow at uh, shoot-around. So that is when we will actually have our whole squad together is tomorrow at shoot around. Mm. Oh, that, well, that, that does. Uh, it's it it's been official to have. Uh, but, you know, yeah. You got to do it. I would imagine. 
Exactly, Tully. I would imagine uh, a lot of the franchises are in the same boat as well. And I guess one of the interesting things about this inaugural competition is, yeah, you haven't got a lot of opportunity to look at videotape and, and uh, you know, uh, of opposition players and do a lot of homework. So what do we know about the, the Southern Hoiho as you head into tomorrow night's game? Well, we do know that they just recruited a six foot five import. Shelby Cheslek is her name. So we, she wasn't there. like you said. Yeah, it's it's been limited preparations for these games, and even in our first preseason game, which was against Hoiho, um, both the teams didn't have all their players. So she wasn't there. That'll be something, someone different to have to play against, and the players are going to have to adjust given her height. Um, and that's obviously what we are working on um, today and obviously actually around tomorrow to to work out plans to um, attack that. Uh, they have an, an Australian import by the name of Duggan, who's a point guard, and uh, I actually played for many years against her her, uh, her aunt growing up in Australia, so there's a little connection there. But, you know, when you're looking on the, the local side of things, you've got Zoe Richards, she's a shooting forward, a power forward, who played a very solid game in our preseason game, has been working on her three-point shot, so we have to respect her out there. They've got um, Samara Gallagher, who is a very strong driver with a mid-range game. Um, you know, they're very complementary of each other, so we just have to work extremely hard to make sure that we keep them in front of us and apply ball pressure all over the place. How are you um, uh, gauging at the moment, early days of course, but how are you gauging the level of uh, interest and level of support in Christchurch for uh, this new franchise? Uh, you know, we um, the players have been doing an extremely, you know, a great job of getting out of this community and going to all supermarkets and schools and you can tell that more people are responding to when they see our, we're just walking around with our Polokai shirts on. Um, apparently ticket sales have, have been going, have been really picking up um, in this last week or so. Um, so I think that's a, a correlation to the players being out there in the community. We're starting to get more um, interviews, radio, radio interviews, um, obviously through the New Zealand um NBL, they are promoting the women's game as well, which is just awesome. Um, so with all the media um, that we are getting and being out there in the community physically, um, ticket sales are, are really picking up. So I think we should be close to filling out uh, Cal Stadium tomorrow night. And with uh, coverage as well and uh, television, etc., I think uh, some great exposure, great opportunity for uh, young and, and female athletes need, here. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, Tully. Uh, the other thing, um, uh, you're in a great position. Uh, if the young women were looking uh, at basketball as a sporting pathway, I mean, you're probably in the best opportunity. We know the American college system is strong, but uh, you've played through uh, the women's uh, NBA in uh, America as well as in all those other leagues I mentioned before, Germany, Hungary, uh, extensively in Australia as well. What is it? Uh, what does basketball mean uh, for you, Tully? Well, I mean, it's it's been everything. It's connected to everything I do, um, you know, with my life. But, you know, I've been someone that's had to just fight for all my spots in every single team. Um, and back early, you know, my playing days, there was the Australian Institute of Sport that was used as an avenue for, you know, the, the talent of, of juniors 
they, you know, were selected and would go through there. And primarily, a lot of the Australian players came out of there. But, you know, I never went through, I never was picked in, in those groups. Or, and so, you know, I've always had to fight for my position. And, um, you know, I, I try and pass that down to the youth that, you know, everyone develops at different, age, at different ages. Players go through growth at different stages. Um, if you love what you do, um, do it for as long as you can, because uh, you never know at what point it can take you in a different direction. But um, it has, you know, taught me attributes attributes that I can use in any facet of life, um, whether it's a career that's not to do with basketball. You know, you learn leadership, you learn communication. Um, all these tools that you can use out in the real world um, and it's just built great relationships with uh, people all across the world that you know where I looked at my passport one time and I think I had 55 stamps um, <laughs> in my passport just through the game of basketball um, it, it kind of blew me away when I saw that you know and I realized the extent of how lucky I've been you know, to play this game and it's just taken me all over the world Sounds like, uh, to me anyway, the mainland uh, Pohokai have uh, done a wonderful job in recruiting a world champion on the court and, of course, an Olympic silver medalist as well. Uh, let's hope uh, the, the, the start is good for you tomorrow night, Tully, and the, the season you get out of it, uh, everything that you, that you want for you and uh, your roster. Fascinating talking to you. Uh, we wish you all the very best. I appreciate that. appreciate the support and uh, get down to Cal Stadium tomorrow night. We really could do with you in the stands cheering the, the players on, um, you've got to be part of history as well. Yeah, absolutely. Tully Bivalakwa, uh, head coach of the Pohokai, uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, interesting. What, what a woman. What a woman. What a, um, what a resume. <laughs> if you try on Wikipedia, TV, uh, TV, uh, Tully Bevelacqua, just uh, have a look at that. Have a look at the, the resume there. Just absolutely fascinating. So, yeah, uh, that starts tomorrow night, uh, Carl's Stadium in Christchurch. Get along there. 9.48 here on SENZ. Hi, Ian. Time for New Zealand cricket to dispatch Williamson. He has been part-timer these days and will past his best. As for not using AJ, questions need to be asked there. It's AJ's Patel, of course. Uh, Neil, thank you very much for that. Black Caps playing no spinner. I don't understand. When Vittori was around, he was always in the team. Regardless of the wicket, absolutely dead true. Absolutely dead true. We've got so many texts to read out on the cricket. A couple of netball ones as well, and we'll be talking to Storm Purvis after 10 o'clock You're listening o'clock to SENZ. Coming up to uh, 10 o'clock here on SENZ, just time to flick out a quick multi for the day. And, of course, Wimbledon's on, so we'll go strong on tennis, I think. Alexi Popperin to beat uh, Gaston at $1.51. That's tonight. Uh, Elise Cornet and the women's uh, to beat Yulia Putinseva at $1.75. And a uh, bit of baseball this afternoon with the old Toronto Blue Jays to knock over the Boston Red Sox at $1.52. Pop it in into Cornet into the Blue Jays for $4.01. Uh, that will be your return. Let's uh, hope that uh, we can get a little divvy for you. Uh, we've got Storm Purvis after uh, 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, the Commonwealth Games netball squad has been officially named. Her reaction to that coming up soon.
It is 10.02 here on SENZ, and yesterday Dame Nolan Taurua announced a 12-strong squad of Silver Ferns. She would take to Birmingham for the Commonwealth Games that get underway in just 30 days' time, and it definitely caught a few people by surprise following their recent trials. The shooters are Maya Wilson, Tobias Selby Rickett, Grayson Wickey, and Bailey Metz. Uh, mid-quarters made up of Gina Crampton, Shannon Storm, uh, Saunders, uh, Whitney Soonis, and Kate Heffernan. On defence, Kayla Johnson. Um, Phoenix Karaka, Kelly Jury and Sulu Fitzpatrick. They are the 12 to represent us and hopefully go for gold. Uh, former Silver Fern Storm Purvis joins us now uh, just to, to run an eye over this uh, particular side that we've been, uh, I guess, prophesizing about for a while, Storm, but now it's come to fruition. Overall, how would you uh, characterise the squad for the Commonwealth Games? Oh, overall. Look, it's an exciting squad. There are names there that I 100% expected. Actually, I think eight of the 12 I had picked in my 12 um, prior to that being announced. But there's definitely a few surprises there, Smithy. And um, one does not dare try and figure out the inner workings of Dame Nolan Total's brain. But we trust that she knows what she's doing and, and she's delivered before. So I'm sure she has a plan for some of those um, unexpected names in that squad. Okay, well, who are the biggest winners? And I suppose we could say who are the biggest losers uh, from your point of view in, in that squad naming. Look, I think Kayla Johnson is um, a name that I wasn't really expecting to be there, but with Karen Berger being ruled out um, prior to trials of Com Games with that foot injury, I think um, Kayla is definitely the name that has been um, the biggest winner, so to speak. Uh, she plays that wing D, Goldie Slide like Karen does, and is probably one of the only players, players in the country that can confidently play in both of those positions. So it's a real like-for-like swap. Um, I understand Kayla was actually sick last week and didn't even travel down to trials, so clearly it was just a name that Dame Knowles had in her head from the get-go. As soon as she knew Karen was out, she was just locked in Kayla. Um, Kayla hasn't really played too much this season. She's been behind Holly Fowler and Ali Timu on the Stars bench, but she is a tried-and-true performer in the black dress. She was outstanding at the 2015 People World Cup over in Sydney, and I know that was seven years ago, but um, I think with the amount of experience we've lost through the likes of Casey Kopoil or Langman Maria Falau from that 2019 World Cup win, I think experience is really important. So Kayla Johnson, to me, biggest winner. Biggest loser. Gosh, I mean, that's a tough one. I think Maddie Gordon from the Pulse, uh, sort of centre-wing defence-wing attack player, was really unlucky. She had a fantastic season um, and Nolan Todor kind of gave us insight that she's after a very zone style defensive end and the Pulse um, kind of play this more man-on type marking and you know the likes of Maddie Gordon and Christiana Manua were just um, don't fit in Nolan's uh, strategic plans I guess. So for me she's the biggest name. Someone like Sam Sinclair you know, 2021 Silver Fern of the Year is now not even in the squad, let alone a reserve. So that's probably a bit of a shock to some people. Um, mm. And then mm. Amelia and Ekinasio are just unlucky in the end to, to not reach the fitness targets by time and her comeback from having a second child. So there's a few big names there definitely missing. She's true to her word, though, Dame Nolan, isn't she? And fitness is uh, one of the big factors. So... Um, they've just had a little bit of a lull, some of them. Of course, you've had the training camps, etc. But in terms of competition netball, some of them haven't been playing for a little while. Uh, they'll have to work pretty hard in the, in the, in the next uh, 30 days, I would imagine. What's uh, What do you know is uh, on the radar there? 
Well, they're straight into camp now. I think they're doing the sort of media and um, sponsorship sort of uh, responsibilities over the next few days. And then they're off to Wellington for a four-day camp where they will just be training day in and day out. We know the Commonwealth Games is a tournament style, so the girls are expected to perform, you know, five days back-to-back, 60-minute games day in and day out. So I know um, you talk about the fitness committee and, and Noel's being true to her word, and she has to be. You know, for so many years, uh, how sick of the discourse were we around how fit Australia were and how unfit New Zealand were. So it's great to see Noel kind of put that to bed. Um, and I think with a tournament style like Com Games, you need to have players that are going to be able to last the distance. So camp first, and then we're straight into the Cadbury series uh, in a couple of weeks' time. And I would really keep your eye on that one. The New Zealand A team will be named today, and there'll be a lot of girls in that side feeling very hard done by that they're not on the plane mm. over to Birmingham. And, you know, we've got such, um, you know, for the first time in a long time, so many, uh, so much depth in netball in the country at the moment. So the NZA versus Silver Ferns uh, game at the Cadbury Series could be a real doozy. Uh, and I don't want to see the Ferns get upset by the NZA team, but it really could happen. So that series is going to be crucial for the Ferns, obviously playing up against the men as well, which we know is, um, you know, tried and true the best preparation for uh, the girls possible. You know, that, that was the series that we did before the Netball World Cup in 2019 and, and came away with the gold. So that series is going to be very, very important. Well, Storm, it's always a good sign when um, we're talking to you and people are texting in uh, at the same time. It means people care about netball and they want questions answered. So uh, here's one from uh, Pete that has uh, just come in straight away. Um, can you please ask Storm which of the three potential goal attacks she wants shooting a five-footer with a second to go? All three had multiple 60% shooting games during the ANZ. And also, why has Grace and Wiki been given a chance to prove her fitness but no one else is allowed to? That's from Pete. Pete, right, great question. Grace and Wiki has been asterisked because she had a pretty horrific injury. Um, not too long ago, and she just hasn't been like medically cleared, hasn't been able to actually do the yo-yo, the fitness test. So she's been given a chance, I guess it is fair for her, to once she's cleared to be able to run the yo-yo, to give it a go. If she doesn't make the standard, then she will not be in the team. So I guess there's a bit of give and take there. Um, on top of that, Grace Mickey is... New Zealand netball at the moment. She's the most prolific player in the country. We saw the mystics demise as soon as she was gone for a few weeks. So I just think she needed to be selected and given a chance to give her uh, get her ankle right. Ankle injuries, they're fine. She'll be fine in a few weeks and hopefully she's working hard off feet on the bike and whatnot and she will nail that fitness test. So really hoping that is the case. Uh, goal attack, I guess for me, probably Papaya Selby Rickett. Um, I know she maybe... Didn't have the greatest season with the tactics. The tactics were a struggling side at times throughout the season. But if you were to pull someone out from that attacking end, it would be Tapia, who was really, um, you know, shouldering the load of that attack end and getting every second pass, every centre pass received, shooting the most. And, you know, she's been around a long, long time. And I remember playing back uh, in the Southern Steel when they had, you know, three uh, championships in a row. Tapia is a known buzzer beater taker. She's an ex-basketballer. Um, she's pretty cool and calm. And I, yeah, I think people have been a little bit harsh on her at the moment because of the season the tactics have had. But um, you know, I've seen Tapia think buzzer beater, buzzer beater shots many a time at club level, at NPC level, 
and no doubt I'm sure she will step up for the Silverstones if they need her. Graham uh, from Marlborough, now formerly from Northland, says, um, can you ask Storm this? Uh, why is Bailey messing the team when her stats are rubbish? Amelia Ann only makes a reserve with her record and no done. Also, what have Karaka and Johnson done to warrant selection? Uh, that's from Graham, who obviously has, has got some serious feelings <laughs> uh, about the squad that she's come up with. So let's start with Bailey Mess to begin with. I think Bailey Mess, it goes back to the experience thing. And um, despite low stats this year, I think she had the directive from uh, Dame, <coughs> excuse me, Dame Knowles to just turn and shoot. So as soon as she got into the circle, just to put the shot up. And she was doing that all season for the Magic, you know, from a step in, a foot in from the um, circle edge. Whereas in the past, you know, when she was at the Mystics last year, she was just offloading to Grace Nwicky all the time. Her numbers were really low. The, the good thing about Bailey Mears is that she's now not afraid to put the shot up. And I think in a Silverstone's environment, I would trust her to deliver. Um, not only that, she's an excellent rebounder. You know, the best attacking rebounder in the world, probably. We've seen that time and time again. And if she's partnering up with Grace Nwicky, Put the shot up, Bailey. You've got Grace Nwicky, you know, another great rebounder underneath the hoop or back yourself to get the rebound yourself. So, look, it's just experience. I think Tiana Maturdo, a goal attack who um, people might be familiar with, is probably unlucky to miss out, but she's just still really, really young and at times this season for the Pulse just kind of went in and out of form. So it, it's clear to me that uh, Knowles has just gone with experience, yeah, above all else. Uh, the other one, of course, is the interesting one in uh, earlier, Dunn, who uh, straight away said, OK, I'm not going to go to uh, Birmingham. I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I think I'll jump the fence and play um, basketball. So she's uh, going to go and or has signed with the Tokomanawa Queens uh, to play in the Tauihi. Um, what do you make of that? I mean, good on her. I had heard that the Queens were looking, well, they had kind of earmarked her or signed her up a long time ago, but obviously couldn't announce it or confirm it until the Birmingham selection had been made. So that was something that was always in the pipeline. Um, I also know if Aaliyah done for her, her biggest uh, fallback has just been reaching the fitness standards. She doesn't hit Dame Nolene total 16-3 in the yo-yo test. And I guess that's kind of a non-negotiable when you've got the likes of Maya Wilson Grace Mickey, who do reach those targets, ready to go on that goal shoot position as well. Ilya, I understand she actually hired a personal trainer this year to try and get her up to that level, and she did work hard towards it, but just just couldn't get it. And at the end of the day, that's kind of all it came down to. Um, but super excited to see her up in this Toihi League. I'm really excited to watch that, and great to see Paris Mason from the Pulse as well in that Queen side. So keep your eye on that. It'll be a good one. Debut for Kate Heffernan. How has she forced her way in? Oh, gosh, she's just incredible. Uh, silent assassin, really. She's tall. She adds a whole lot of height to that centre wing D position. Uh, she's unassuming, and she just got her hands to so much ball this year. I also think it's a combination with Shannon Saunders, who's been a Silverstone man, uh, mainstay for a few years now from the Southern Steel. And from what I've heard from the girls, Kate Heffernan just had an outstanding trial last week. So... Just provide something different, a bit like Laura Langman, that sort of taller, wingy background who can also play centre, um, and just a real workhorse. So I'm very excited to see her in the black dress for the first time. Okay, Storm, uh, now that you've summed up the squad, sum up our uh, chances, if you can, please, 30 days out. Uh, what will you Honestly. be happy with? <laughs> what will you be happy with? 
Lily, I just can't. I just have no idea at this stage. I would be happy with a gold medal final. I think it would be great if we're in that final. If we lose it, so be it. I think to get there, given the team and who's available for us at the moment, um, would be outstanding. Bearing in mind that a year ago we probably would have expected Karen Berger, Jane Watson, Amelia Anikinasio to all be there. They're not going to be there at this stage. So, yeah, look, if, if Jane Knowles can get the squad to the gold medal final, it'll be fantastic. Um, if not, yeah, it'll be somewhat of a fail. And there'll be some people, rightly so, questioning some of the selections, I guess, because I have no doubt that, you know, we have the depth in this country to be able to do it. So I have faith in this 12. I sure do. But it, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You, you're going to Birmingham, eh? I am, yes. Yeah, very excited about it. So what's, uh, covering netball, uh, what other sports are you going to be um, diving into? <laughs> I mean, like it was with Tokyo, I guess. I, I, we really won't find out until we're over there or the day before or depending on what's happening where and where the medal chances are. So um, Courtney Tidy is also heading over, so we'll be fighting for the netball coverage, I'm sure, and who gets to cover what. But, um, look, I'll be happy just to be sent where I'm sent and really looking forward to co covering some of the Gosh, 230 athletes I think we have heading over. Um, it's it's going to be a great time. And, yeah, if I get to do at least one netball game, I'll be happy for me, but I'll, I'll do what I'm told. <laughs> I'd like to see you do the Australia-New Zealand grand final. That would be cool. That would be cool, yeah. Bucket list tick for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Storm. Hey, thanks so much for making yourself available today. I know you're a busy girl. Uh, so uh, really, really do appreciate it and your thoughts uh, on the squad as well. Wish them all the best. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Millie. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Two very experienced panellists this morning. We have Guy Havelt and Mark Watson uh, with us this morning. And uh, Guy Havelt, uh, news coming through yesterday that the All Blacks uh, camp is uh, COVID-ridden to a certain degree. And it's Joe Smith to the rescue a little bit earlier than we thought. Wasn't going to be involved until uh, after Ireland, but now very much in the mix, Guy. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Nice to chat with you again. Uh, I, I I love this. Uh, take the COVID side of things away. Never like anyone getting sick. Uh, but take that away from things. And I think it's fantastic that uh, Schmidt's going to be involved in this, in this series. I always found it a little bit perplexing that he was employed by New Zealand Rugby but wasn't going to be involved with the All Blacks until, um, you know, a little bit later down the track. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think this is intriguing. Look, I, I have struggled with rugby for the best part of probably two or three years now, found it a little bit boring. But in the last few weeks, really, in the Super Rugby playoffs and, and even in the latter stages of the regular season, uh, it started to come alive. So I'm actually quite excited by this series and interested to see what the All Blacks are going to be able to put out there. Uh, obviously, this is not ideal for them in terms of their preparations, but... Uh, they still have, well, the core or the majority of their players available to them, so uh, hoping they can put out a, a decent performance on Saturday night. So, Mark, how do you think this is working at the moment for the All Blacks? I mean, is Joe just carrying out Ian Foster's uh, orders here, or is, is Joe going to uh, be allowed to have a bit of a, no, I won't say carte blanche over the whole thing uh, in his early introduction here? How, how do you envisage this is actually happening? When he was initially sort of brought into the all-black environment, I felt it was a bit of a public relations move. 
a little bit like John Hart back in the late 1990s, sort of making Todd Black out of captain. Um, I think there's that much pressure on him, and a lot of people felt that Joe Schmidt, uh, maybe along with Scott Roberts and Jason Ryan, are probably the best coaching outfit in New Zealand. Look, if he's going to come in, we should be tapping into everything he knows about the Irish weed and power and completely. They cannot afford to lose this series. Um, I think their jobs are on the line. Not that I think New Zealand rugby have got the guts to sack the likes of Ian Fox if they were to, if they were to lose this series. But absolutely vital, absolutely um, crucial. And I'd like to think that they don't, that they've got, you know, not too much pride to actually say, look, we need your help here, Joe. Um, so look, I mean, you know, he, he's. The reason why I think Ireland uh, have become the monster that they've become so for so long in the wilderness, and yes, guys like Farrell and stuff now in charge, but I think it was Joe Schmidt that sort of put the building blocks in place. Um, just, just sort of on the whole COVID thing, I think you know a lot of people a really, really big loss for the All Blacks having David Harvey and Jack Goodyear. I actually think that's your midfield combination. People talked a lot about David Harvey and how well he played in that Super Rugby final. But I think the reason he played so well is because he had Goodyear outside of him. And I think it's a little bit like Manonu. Manonu always played his best when he had Conrad Smith outside of him and Dan Carter on his inside. A lot of people talking about Rico Awani being the All Black centre, but I think he was found out in that final. Um, so I reckon that's a really, really big loss for the All Blacks, and therefore I think here Joe Schmidt's um, input is crucial. Has he got enough time to really make an influence? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, a very, very bright guy. A guy who, as I said, along with Scott Robertson, along with Jason Ryan, they should be the All Black coaching setup, in my opinion, anyway. Is that a, Interesting is that a, neutral, that... Uh, is that a neutral opinion, Mark, uh, about um, Jack Goodhue, or is that a Mount Albert Grammar opinion coming out there? <laughs> well, I think you've, well, I'm not going to lie, I'm a big Jack Goodhue fan. Yes, he is a, a good man, Alex Grammer boy, but <laughs> as is Caleb Clark, I mean, Alex Hodgman should be in there as well. But putting that to one side, in all seriousness, I think he <laughs> lacked Goodhue last year. I think he knows how to organise a defence. We look sometimes at the genius and the brilliance, but sometimes I think there's a lot of intangibles that go with certain players. And, um, yeah, I think he saw a major step up defensively when Goodhue even came back into the Crusaders. Uh, let's not underestimate what he does bring to an all-black side. And I, I, I genuinely felt they, I think they would have picked him this week at centre, even though all of the pundits are saying Rico won. Interesting. OK, well, they can't. Uh, by the sounds of things, they can't have him. So, Guy Havelt, does that mean uh, Roger Tovasashek makes his debut at some point in this first Test match? Um, I'm not sure, Smithy. I'm not sure. Um, it is a possibility maybe he would come off the bench, but I doubt it. I think they might try and just keep that powder dry a little bit. I, I think this is more um, not an educational exercise. Look, I, I think in a year's time, Roger Tuivasa-Shek will be the starting midfielder, one of the starting midfielders for the All Blacks um, at the World Cup. I think we've seen how quickly he's come on already in Rugby Union in a very, very little amount of time. And so in a year's time, I think he'll be an absolutely dynamic Rugby Union player. And I can't wait for that time. I don't think that's quite the time yet, obviously. Um, but I think he's there for a little bit of experience, I suppose, to, to just try and, and improve his skills in a lot of ways uh, and to get him ready for the World Cup. So I'm not sure we'll see him this weekend. I don't know how much of him we, we will see throughout the series, um, but I think certainly in, in months and, and a year to come, uh, he will be a, a, an absolute force in that all-black side and, and one, of the, one of the players that, that they will have first on their team sheet that's how good I think he'll be and that's how quickly I think he's able to learn so 
yeah, maybe not now, but give it a little bit of time, and, and I think he'll be there. Mark Watson, one of the... In- yeah, well, it's a, it's, I think he's got a lot of skills to develop, to be perfectly honest, to be up to speed to playing international rugby all of a sudden. Um, he was another one that was, uh, what, he subbed in the 48th minute of the grand final. So uh, the Mario Blacks uh, is an, all, an interesting one for me. It just seems that they get sort of a little bit wider in terms of eligibility all the time. In fact, it's almost like a, a backup all-black side that uh, has a crack at Ireland tomorrow night. Uh, Mark, what are you making in those Maori games? Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, it's a great tradition, isn't it? Um, it's one of those things that's just sort of organically grown over the years. I, I'm like you, sometimes I, I look at some players and I, I'd like to know where the bloodlines do run in regards to, uh, you know, the iwi and their Māori, but look, you'd like to think that they're in there for the right reasons and they are incredibly proud of their Māori heritage. Look, really big opportunity, isn't it, for Cullen Grace to sort of back up what he did in that Super Rugby final. Um, you know, when you run through it, opportunities for the likes of Ollie Norris, Terrell Lomax, um, see if they can make a bit of a start. It's interesting that both Brad Weber and TJ Perrineau have been given the New York captaincy and both trying to work their way back into the All Blacks. I, I'm just not sure that's going to happen unless there's injury. Um, you know, it's all about ruck speed now, isn't it, for the All Blacks? They want good ruck speed, and I think Finlay Christie offers that. Clearly, Aaron Smith is the incumbent. We know what he can do, and I think Fakatava just brings a different dynamic to his game in terms of his physicality, what he offers in and around the fringes. But yeah, look, I'm also interested to see players like Sean Stevenson. I think he, he, he's one of the most underrated footballers here in New Zealand. Um, and, and also, too, the likes of Josh Awani at first five. We haven't seen a lot of Awani at first five. And, you know, mm. we've only got to have a couple of injuries in the team jersey. And suddenly we start to look a bit short in that area. And he's been sort of being used more as a utility for the Chiefs. So, look, yes, it, it is basically an opportunity for some of these fringe players to have their say. But you go inside the Māori camp, you know, because they'll want to win this. And, you know, with Māori teams, if they get their nose in front, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. I sure are. Absolutely sure are. That legendary game that uh, John O'Gibbs led against the Lions way back, uh, that was something absolutely special, lives in my mind. In terms of rugby memories, it is 10.31 here on SENZ. Uh, we're going to pop across to uh, the newsroom now and uh, hear from uh, Aroa. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the cricket. You know why? Because we've got to. We just simply have to. We can't avoid it. It's 10.31. The panel. We're with Guy Hafelt uh, this morning and uh, Mark Watson, two very experienced uh, panellists for us. And um, here's one for you, Guy. We just had a, a tweet in from uh, Sammy H to say that Will Jordan hasn't been spotted amongst the all-black group this morning. And he hears uh, through the grapevine that he has tested positive for COVID, hot off the press, uh, having symptoms in the past few days. So maybe uh, Guy Hafelt no Will Jordan either. Well, that's a massive blow. I regard Will Jordan as arguably the best player in New Zealand. Uh, the guy can break a game open from anywhere, from any sort of situation. Uh, he's got all the skills for an outside back that you need in any player. Uh, he's an incredibly bright player when it comes to his rugby knowledge. Uh, that's a huge blow for the All Blacks. Uh, another one. Uh, let's just hope that COVID hasn't spread any further throughout the squad. Otherwise, it could be in a bit of strife. Yeah, it's a bit hard to imagine that it hasn't. I think, uh, unlike the cricketers and some other teams, yeah. I think they still share rooms, the All Blacks, so it would be pretty hard to imagine that it, that it hasn't. Um, let's just cross our fingers uh, on that one, Mark Watson. What we can no longer cross our fingers and toes on, though, is the cricket. 3-0, that's a drubbing. Uh, there we were at, um, at the end of the third day on each occasion with a, a starter's chance of winning. 
and taken away from us very, very quickly. Very disappointing, 3-0 loss. Disappointing. We've spoken a little bit about the Smithy over the last month. Look, I still think a lot of it comes down to just the lack of good quality preparation. I just don't think we give ourselves enough time in the lead up to major test series overseas in terms of our batsmen and stuff and the nets and doing what's required to get themselves into um, the best condition and provide themselves the best opportunity. I mean, you take Daryl Mitchell and Tom Blundell out of the um, out of it. I think collectively those two players scored more runs across the than our entire top order, and you wonder where we would have been if, you know, if you weren't if you ran through this and Henry Nichols hadn't missed that first test through COVID, possibly Daryl Mitchell might not have played at all. We wouldn't have seen the genius of Mitchell. I mean, cricket's a funny one, isn't it? You can lose a series collectively, but there's always these individual milestones you can celebrate. And you know, Daryl Mitchell, um, you know, in the history of teams touring England. No player has scored more runs in three tests or less against the English ever since England has been playing test cricket. That is just a remarkable statistic. Um, what a wonderful series for him, and what a, a really coming of age also for Tom Blundell, a great partnership there. But yeah, you do start to question the likes of the Henry Nichols and the Tom Lathams. Are they just bully boys at home against sort of, you know, reasonably average? Um, opposition at times, but the other thing too is I think I think Gary said it's probably time to go. Seems to be too conservative. Why we don't play Ajaz Patel every single test is beyond me. You know when was the last time the Australians dropped Nathan Lyon? Um, you know you run through this England team and you you, you you look at the fact that Jack Leach. I don't think anybody rates him internationally, but here he takes ten wickets in this match. What do we do? Oh, let's just go with some good old conservative middle class pace bowling and let's just sort of be one quite one dimensional in our attack and you know I, I, I think we don't have cricket doesn't have the legacy the All Blacks have so I think New Zealanders are actually quite accepting of defeat but what we just want to see is a little bit more intent just us playing a little bit more positively I think I think we're owed that now and we're used to it under the Brendan McCullum captaincy and yeah now we've seen what he's doing for England It's a little bit scary actually um, for me Guy to be perfectly honest I I sit back and I always try to judge these things at the end of a series, but at the end of a trend now, and I hope it has come to an end, we've lost our last six out of eight now in varying conditions across three countries. Yeah, look, I, I think um, limited overs-wise, I think the Black Caps will be OK, but test-wise, uh, this is massive cause for concern. Uh, obviously, thrashed by Australia and Australia in the test series that was just, you know, built as this massive opportunity for New Zealand to prove that they are the real deal. They then play their home summer last summer and get beaten by Bangladesh home. That's just completely unacceptable. The rest of the home summer was pretty average as well, and now they go to England and get swept 3-0. Um, look, it's nothing short of pathetic, really. It's very, very concerning. Um, and like Mark says, look, I don't think AJS Patel should be picked in every team. I think there are certainly times when you don't need a spinner, particularly in New Zealand conditions. And aside from his 10 wickets in the innings in India, which was one of New Zealand cricket's greatest moments, there are times when, when Patel doesn't do much in tests. But in saying that, uh, some unbelievable selection decisions in terms of not in terms of playing him at Lords when Lords, we all know Lords doesn't really spin. Um, why did they play him there? And then they come here to Headingley where it has spun in the past and they play Michael Bracewell who has, uh, uh, I think his first-class average with the ball is something like 50, um, over Ajax Patel. I mean, it's just staggering that they can get that side wrong. 
Uh, so those are the two. Th- th- you know, those are the issues for me. I worry about um, yeah, where this test team is heading. I think we're we're going to pretty pretty worrying time for the Black Caps in the next couple of years or so in the white ball in the white uh, white clothing form of the game. I think in terms of the, the white ball and the coloured clothing, I think they'll be okay. But yeah, we might be in for a bit of a rocky ride when it comes comes to test cricket for a wee while. I think it's an attitudinal thing for for me, Mark, and, and you're right. And and Gary Stead, I'm not. I mean, Gary Stead has, has achieved a lot. This this not. Uh, you know, we've been. Uh, he's taken us to what uh, we should have won the, the World Cup final in 2019. In fact, we never lost it, really, did we? We got to the T20 World Cup final against Australia in Indian conditions. We won the World Test Championship. I mean, not, but but in terms of cricket success for a coach, that's pretty unparalleled by New Zealand standards. It's just a case, I think, of having to not so much change Gary Stead, but Gary Stead and Kane Williamson, for that matter, having to change themselves. Got to back themselves. You can't continue to play insurance batsmen uh, at number eight who bowl a few overs. And effectively, that's what they did in this test when they needed 20 wickets to win it. Yeah, look, I don't disagree. I think attitude's a big part of it, and it's something that Brendan McCullum's clearly um, for this England team, and we've seen how now they're just playing with some belief and playing with some freedom. Uh, look, I, I still always say it, man, and I'm lucky enough to have come from one of the hardest sports on the planet and sort of the endurance side of it. And when I see players who clearly have some talent not performing, then I do start to question application. I do start to question work ethic. Um, and part of that's a culture. Part of that's an expectation. And as I said, um, you know, I wasn't impressed by Kane Williamson playing in the IPL. I mean, if he's got a sore elbow um, and therefore you can't, play for long periods of time against Bangladesh or South Africa and New Zealand, but you conveniently come right to the IPL. I mean, best practice is not to play at all. Um, you know, you've got a test captain who really comes into this series well and truly underdone. Um, a series that I think is far more important to us winning than, you know, a lot of these one-day series, which just seem meaningless outside of the World Cup. And so I think all the players need to have a long, hard look at themselves. And I think we're allowed to ask some questions. I think you're 100% correct. Um, in regards to looking at Gary Stead um, and what he has achieved. A lot of people might say, look, he sort of inherited a pretty good culture and inherited a pretty good team, um, and his success has come sort of more on the, the sh- in the 50-over format. I-, I think we were lucky to get to that World Test Championship due to some results not being played due to COVID, but we did win it. But, yeah, it, it's about kicking on. It's about building. And, you know, it's about a vision. It's about where's this plan going forward. And, and I just don't see it at the moment. And it is concerning. Guy Havelt and Mark Watson have been our panellists this morning. Thank you much, uh, very much, gentlemen, for your, uh, uh, your opinions on uh, those particular matters. Um, and we'll speak again uh, shortly. Look forward to this week in rugby, uh, gents. And um, we'll have another panel uh, this time tomorrow. When we come back, folks, I shall... Uh, we've had a number of texts come in and said, uh, Smithy, have you heard about um, the upcoming schedule for New Zealand cricket with the Black uh, Caps and the White Ferns? Yes, I have. In fact, I'll tell you about it after this. Right, uh, talking to David White, the CEO of New Zealand Cricket, sometime after 11 o'clock. Busy guy, as you can assume, so we'll just uh, have to wait and see when we can actually get hold of David. But they have released this uh, home schedule of cricket this summer, and uh, I know that uh, two or three people have texted in this morning wanting to know the details. Uh, You'll get them, of course, on the website, or uh, they'll be on stuff at some point today. But uh, just looking at it uh, initially, there's a tri-series in uh, October through to uh, October 7th to 14th, so a very quick fire one involving uh, Bangladesh, Pakistan and New Zealand. So you get uh, 
six matches, uh, seven matches in all there for uh, in a final. Uh, and then you get to uh, go to them at Christchurch. They're all at Hagley Oval, okay? So they're afternoon and evening games as well with the lights down there as well. So, yeah, from the 7th to the 14th of October, uh, that is our tri-series, Bangladesh, Pakistan, New Zealand. Then India come here um, in uh, November, about a month later, actually. Uh, they'll play three one-day internationals at uh, Wellington, uh, at uh, Tauranga and uh, Napier, and then three... Um, three one-day internationals uh, in Eden Park, Seddon Park, Hagley Oval. So three T20s, Wellington, uh, Tauranga and Napier. Uh, and then three one-day internationals, Eden Park, Seddon Park, Hagley Oval. The White Ferns uh, then host uh, Bangladesh, and that is from the 2nd of December until the 18th of December. And they will play three T20s and three one-day internationals. Uh, they'll go to uh, Hagley Oval in Christchurch. They'll go to Dunedin. They'll go to Queenstown, uh, the Basin Reserve, McLean Park, and Seddon Park. And then um, uh, after Christmas, New Zealand, I think, go to Australia, play some cricket there for a little while. Then after Christmas, uh, two very important test matches, payback time, one would hope, uh, and that is against England, first test at the Bay Oval in, uh, on Monday the 20th of February. And on Tuesday the 28th of February uh, at the Basin Reserve, the second test match. And then uh, towards the end of the summer, uh, towards the end of March and early April, uh, two tests against uh, Sri Lanka, one at Hagley Oval, one at the Basin Reserve, uh, three one-day internationals against uh, Sri Lanka at uh, Eden Park, Hagley Oval and Seddon Park, and three T20s to finish off the season domestically here at Eden Park, uh, University Oval in Dunedin, and John Davies Oval in Queenstown. So the grand finale for the season on the 8th of April in Queenstown. There you go. That is a pretty extensive summer. So the way I've counted it up, 39 days of uh, cricket here at home. Possibility of counting five each for the test matches. Possibility of 39 for the Black Caps, six for the White Ferns as such. So uh, that is uh, the that is the absolute, um, what it seems like on the, in ink anyway, in black ink, uh, in terms of uh, what we've got coming up. And as I say, we'll be able to talk to, hopefully, uh, David White. Uh, sometime after 11 o'clock just to confirm all those details, etc. Maybe talk about another couple of issues around New Zealand cricket as well. We don't get hold of them very often. So uh, 10.50 here on SENZ. Um, so that puts that to bed. Those ones are there. Um, I would be I'm thinking that um, the Black Caps cricket risk, yes, got to see that. Oh, OK, yeah, yeah we've got a lot of texts in uh, about your, uh, your Mount Rushmore's. Kevin Campion, Mark Tukey, Steve Price... Phil Blake, uh, that's from Leroy. Uh, Campion Price Luck Maloney, uh, that's from Ian. Um, easy one for uh, Steve Price, Keith Campion, uh, Kevin Campion, Ivan Cleary, Michael Luck. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, another one, Steve Price, Kevin Campion, Michael Luck. James Maloney from uh, Anthony says um, just absolutely makes it for him. So, yeah, a number of those. Brian and I, and I will having... Uh, I'll, I'll say it that uh, just after the 11.30 news. It is 10.51 here on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. She's a bit bitter here in uh, Hawke's Bay this morning. Hard to think that the, the Hawke's Bay Carnival is not that far away if we look at it on the calendar, but it's true, Louis Herman. What? Good morning to you. Yes, Lizzie. It always races up on us, doesn't it? I mean, 
we're in the midst of winter racing at the moment, but the nice horses are back in work, and the ones that have been targeting, well, the Tarzino Trophy in particular, which is, I think, the 9th of September or something like that. So, look, this race can trip horses up and can trip trainers up because of the fact that it is still wet, um, and they're just coming through winter, and if they can't get that really good hit out in the Foxbridge plate because it is too wet a couple of weeks beforehand, it can leave some of it vulnerable. But the market's up. Imperatrice starts the $4 favourite. We know she can get through the wet, no issue. Uh, on trivia years, you're in the market at $7. Question marks probably about whether on trivia year skips this and goes straight to Aussie. La Creek also there. I'm so curious to find out from the Alexanders what they want to do with La Creek. She'll definitely end up in Australia. I think this would probably come up a bit too quick, probably. On the bubbles, though, at $10, Smithy. The future's at 10 bucks. Does that interest you? Do you want to have a bet? I will be. Don't worry about that. I will be having a little dibble there, LHW. Don't you uh, fret about that. Uh, the big question is, are we going to see you at any stage over the three days? Yeah. I've called it. I'll be down there on the SCNZ ticket. Front up. I'll be down there. Okay, Louis Herman Watt, there's a date. Um, not that I want to take you out or anything, but that's a date on the calendar, put it that way. Uh, okay, let's get across to uh, Brendan Popperwell here and uh, BP. Um, there's a, a lot of tennis on with Wimbledon, in, of course. A little bit quiet in some of the other areas, but not with the rugby. Maori game tomorrow night, All Blacks at the weekend. How has COVID affected the betting? Yeah, look, it's been an interesting one, Smithy, around that one. Uh, of course, uh, as you mentioned, uh, with Maldi game coming up today uh, tomorrow, uh, where the Maldi All Blacks are two dollars and thirty-seven. But yeah, money for Ireland three sixty for them to beat the All Blacks on Saturday. With the All Blacks are now one twenty-seven, and here's one for you: the Yankees about to start shortly. Ten thousand on the Yankees at a dollar thirty-two. Oh my God, ten thousand on the arm of a pitcher. I don't know about that, mate. I don't know about that. Uh, looking forward to uh, the rugby, though, coming up tomorrow night and at the weekend, and an eye on the Yankees after that big wager. 10.59 here on SENZ. David White in the next hour on the upcoming New Zealand cricket schedule. number of texts have come in, and uh, don't forget that uh, Brian and I will be uh, going through our particular Mount Rushmore selections at around about 11.40 this morning. We'll have a stump smithy at around about 11.30. We'll talk to David White in the next half hour as well. Um, and uh, we've had a number of texts in with uh, your suggestions. Ted's come in with uh, Steve Price, Michael Luck, Wade McKinnon, and Jacob Lilliman. Gosh, when you add them all up, there's been a lot, haven't there? Just uh, not of, uh, too many of substance at the moment, I think it's fair to say. But we've had some great ones over the years. Top Aussie Warriors for me, Luck, Price, Maloney, Wade McKinnon, my personal favourite. That's from Dave. Uh, Dino said Phil Blake, Steve Price, Kevin Campion, Brandy Alexander. Hmm, interesting, Dean. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll look at uh, Leroy's. We've said how many Leroy's. Yes, Kevin Campion, Mark Tukey, Steve Price, uh, Phil Blake. Uh, another one has come in with uh, Steve Price. Kevin Campion, Michael Luck, and I, I think one of the uh, essences there is Steve Price is pretty much in everyone's, uh, and and so too uh, really is Kevin Campion, and what we're talking about there is hard buggers, aren't we? Hard uh, follow me type guys who roll their sleeves up, got stuck in, and uh, when we've been talking about the Warriors this year, um, probably the the very type of player that they have been lacking, uh, are lacking to be perfectly honest, if they could... Uh, roll back the clock and uh, put one or two of any of these four selections uh, back in the side now, 
uh, even with a guy like uh, Bill Blake or uh, Greg Alexander driving them around the park, putting them in the right positions. Michael Luck, uh, another one. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's just it's just quite clear when you look at the names of the past what we're actually missing out on at the moment. So uh, a number of texts there. We've got uh, questions coming in, uh, a couple too for uh, David White. Uh, Dean's come in, as uh, Dean often does, and says, uh, Smithy, uh, two sports, both though, both not where they should be a problem. One has a cane in charge, the other has a cane in charge. It's a white flag island win now. If uh, Will Jordan is out, we will get pumped in the tight five. Now our best back is gone as well. That's uh, from Dean. So interesting, yeah. Uh, what is uh, Jamie said? Um, uh, Jamie said, uh, when is the summer series being announced? It is, uh, and we'll be talking about that with uh, David White very shortly. Jamie, as I need to book my room at the law courts in Dunedin, of course, if you stay at the law courts in Dunedin, you know you're going to bang into in a heck of a hurry, aren't you? You're going to bang into Dean. So, yeah, that's the situation. Just going through uh, once again for you before I talk to David White about it. There is a home series uh, involving uh, tri-series with Bangladesh and Pakistan. Uh, that is six round-robin games and a final. That's uh, from the 7th of October to the 14th of October. Uh, then the Black Caps will uh, host India over here for three one-day internationals and three T20s. Uh, then the White Ferns will have uh, Bangladesh here um, uh, just prior to Christmas throughout December. In fact, they'll have three T20s, three one-day internationals. And uh, then two very important test matches against Brendan McCullum's England side uh, beginning on Monday the 20th of February and Tuesday the 28th of February. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the Black Caps against Sri Lanka towards the end um, of the season. That's March into early April. And that is for two tests, three one-day internationals and three twenty. So plenty mixed there, plenty of a mix in terms of white ball and red ball cricket. But there is a, a couple of windows in there that people have uh, already questioned, already questioned, and that is uh, why we don't appear to have any cricket here over Christmas and, of course, uh, early in the new year as well when all the kids are on holiday and a lot of the families are on holiday as well. So yeah, we'll uh, take a look at that, and we'll uh, ask uh, David White about that very shortly. Hopefully we'll have David White uh, after this break. It's 11.07. Yeah, 12 minutes past 11, and we're very lucky that uh, David White, the CEO of New Zealand Cricket, has uh, found uh, some time in his busy schedule today to be able to uh, talk to us. Good morning, David. Hi, right, g'day, Smithy. Yeah, good, mate. Uh, you've uh, announced this morning a uh, very busy, uh, very conclusive, actually, uh, home summer of cricket, which uh, looks very, very exciting. The way I've split it down is about 39 days for the Black Caps here at home and six at least for the White Ferns. So uh, that's plenty of exposure. Yeah, we've got, uh, I think we've got most of the teams from the subcontinent coming as well as as well as England, which will, um, yeah, it's going to be a great summer. We're really looking forward to it. And, and the great thing um, with all our planning, Smithy, is that we haven't mentioned the word MIQ or COVID so far. So long as it continue. Of course, not only uh, have you uh, announced this particular window of, of uh, fixtures, David, but there's... There's plenty going on overseas for the Black Caps as well. For instance, we've had a couple of texts saying, why haven't we got uh, cricket here over Christmas, New Year, when the kids are on holiday, the parents are on holiday, etc. Uh, but the Black Caps have other commitments, yeah? Yeah, I was asked this question um, at the press conference before, and as you know, um, apart from England and the West Indies, all other countries play in the same window, really. Um, so... As, as our summer, 
so it's unavoidable that at some stage um, we have to play um, offshore in our, in our summer. We've been to Australia before, um, as you know, and, and this time it's Pakistan and India. Uh, but in saying that, um, we've you know we start in October, start of October through to the end of April, so it's a big summer. Okay, let's uh, look at the first initiative, which is uh, quite a nice little try series to begin with in T20 cricket. Yeah, so we're playing as you know preparation for the T20 in Australia, and we've selected um, Hagley Oval uh, for a number of reasons. Firstly, we need one venue, but it is one of the driest parts of the country on the east coast, um, and typically club cricket starts earlier in Christchurch than anywhere else. And also, it's it's our ground with the biggest boundaries and probably the one of the quickest wickets. So it will replicate the conditions that we're going to be playing in Australia. So we've got uh, also, of course, the, the the Indians arriving, which is always a, a big draw card, white ball cricket, test cricket, whatever. But uh, three T20s initially, then um, uh, three uh, one-day internationals as well, and that goes uh, pretty much uh, around the country as such. In fact, no, stays. Yes, yeah, five in the North Island, one in the South, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So obviously we've got to play at the lights. Um, share around the country and, 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 and you know, we'd be great to take them to Hedley with lights. But shared around the country, and I think the big one for Aucklanders will be the first ODI is going to be played at Eden Park, which is fantastic. Great to have international cricket or the Black Gaps playing at Eden Park for the first time in a few years. That's an interesting question, actually. It was mooted that uh, international cricket was going to go move away from Eden Park and perhaps go to Western Springs or something at one point. Dave, well, has there been any any substance to that, or is, is Eden Park still uh, very much on the agenda for a while? We, we indicated that we were open to playing, um, you know, Test cricket at another venue in Auckland, which was going to be Western Springs, but that never eventuated, unfortunately. Um, so. We'll be playing uh, ODI and T20 cricket at Eden Park. We're playing uh, one ODI against uh, India and one one of each against Sri Lanka. The White Ferns uh, have got a series uh, against uh, Bangladesh and uh, on the evidence of what we saw in the World Cup, Bangladesh will be quite a competitive side. What else is on the agenda for the White Ferns? And, uh, they've got the Commonwealth Games. What after that, David? So they play the Commonwealth Games and then they're going to the West Indies in September for a white ball series. Um, so they then come home, play, play Bangladesh, and then they're off to the World T20 in South Africa. They leave late January and, and play that over there. And uh, so the one thing that um, your listeners will be interested in is that we're currently finalising the future tours programme for the white firms from 23 to 27 at, at the moment. So there's going to be significantly more cricket for them. There'll be uh, an annual ICC event plus a lot more bilateral cricket for them going forward. And I guess the question, just to tag on to the bottom of that, are we going to be engaged in any test cricket, David, would you imagine, or is that off the table at the moment for women? It's it's not. um, From using our cricket strategy, um, uh, our focus is on white ball cricket. Um, We 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 aren't focused on test cricket for, for the women's game. Okay, right. Okay, so you are focused on Test cricket, of course, for the men's. There's two tests against England in February, uh, towards the end of February, and then uh, straight away two after that, uh, pretty much against uh, Sri Lanka. So that is our our red ball window there. It's about Monday the 20th of February through to about uh, the end of March. So 
a good opportunity there oh, for, for that game. To the two tests yeah. And the two tests were played in Pakistan as well. So there's six, six tests for the summer. Yeah, OK, so uh, that's in, in Pakistan, of course. Uh, people saying, uh, a couple of texts coming in, say, uh, why do we not play the three-man series? I, I think we've discussed this in the past, but you can reiterate why uh, to our listeners, David, that we don't have, as we've just had in England, a three-test series. Yeah, so um, as you know, the, the window is incredibly congested. Um, three test matches is a lot, and we want to play white ball cricket as well. The um, the three test match series, it, it's not a series as such for points now because the points go towards the World Test Championship for each test match. Um, it's a model that we've developed. Um, so we want to have a balance of test cricket and white ball cricket. Uh, so, yeah, I'm continuing to, to get these texts in. About, uh, these just, uh, as you say, it's very hard to find a window where everything's good. So we're, we're, what are we doing uh, overseas throughout the course? Do we go to Australia so at least the Black Caps will be on display during those times when people are on holiday? So, so well, we're going to, you're talking about the January-February window? That's correct, yeah, yeah. So what we're doing is we're leaving to go to Pakistan just before Christmas. We're going to Pakistan mm. and India in January. So we're going to play two test matches and three ODIs in Pakistan. Then we're playing six white ball games in India. Then we're returning home for the England series. OK, so still uh, a lot of uh, Black Caps action on, on television. Um, David, obviously, um, on the morning after the night that was, uh, not such a great result. Lost uh, six of the last eight. I mean, what what, what does New Zealand cricket, from a, a body point of view, do about that? Do, do you have reviews at the end of Test Series, etc., or, or tours? Yeah, we do. Every, every tour, we have a comprehensive review. We have a we have a campaign plan that's prepared before every tour, um, and we review that campaign cam, campaign plan. Um, clearly, it's not gone as well as we would have liked, um, but we're going to review that. We'll, we'll work through that in a nice, calm, methodical manner. Um, the Black Caps have been successful of late, although we're not where. We want to be uh, recently, and we understand that, but we've got to go through the review uh, to understand why we haven't played as well as we would have liked. So, uh, yeah, as I say, six out of the last eight in various conditions. Of course, you know, uh, when when you have uh, radio stations like this, you do, you do get a lot of feedback, and there's a lot of disappointment, which is a good thing. It's a good thing because people care. Uh, about the things that... Um, well, one of the, the big thing, talking points, David, and you would be aware of this anyway, is, is the fact that we don't quite know how or when to use our spinners as such at the moment, and that was found glaringly wanting again. What do we do about spin bowling in this country? Yeah, um, it's a, a topic of a lot of conversation at the moment um, with our high-performance department and our MAs. Um, it's got to be a key focus for us going forward, absolutely. Um, this will be reviewed like everything else um, at the end of the tour. It's, uh, it's all very well to win games at home by producing wickets that suit the seamers, but of course it doesn't stand you in, in great stead, does it? Uh, if you if were a bad pun there, really, but it doesn't stand you in great stead. Looking forward uh, to when you have to tour extensively, as we're, we're going to have to do coming up. I think um, I understand what you're saying and, and I understand the passion from the listeners. Um, that's what we've got to address. Um, there's no question about that. 
We do have uh, spin bowling coaches, etc., and, and high performance um, people looking at, at that area of the game for us. Yeah, we we do. We we have um, we've got Paul, Paul Wiseman who's um, focused on spin bowling coaching. But one of the areas that we are discussing now is getting more specialist coaches um, in at the MA level for a start, so that we can. Um, Increase the investment in spin bowling and other areas of wicket keeping as well, where um, we, we probably mm-hmm. should be doing. Hey, hey David, that, that uh, brings up another issue that people uh, they you know people come in and they, they write in etc. They ring us and they say, listen, all of a sudden we're seeing some of our better coaches etc. being employed overseas. Brendan McCullum goes to England, does what he's done. Dan Vittori joins uh, Australia, very high profile people in uh, in the sports minds in this country. Uh, yet they don't seem to be working for us. What, what, has that ever been an issue? Uh, have you ever approached those guys, or are you sort of um, just content with what you've got? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is just because you're a great player doesn't mean you're a great coach. Um, So what we do is we go through a process of picking the person with the right skills. And I don't think that we can be questioned over the coaches. Recently, uh, Mike Hesson did a tremendous job and Gary Stead has done an incredible job. I mean, let's let's not forget 12 months ago, we were the World Test Champions under his reign. Mm. And also under his reign, we made the World T20 final. So let's let's not yep. look too far back for success. Um, we we utilise some of these people. We've utilised Stephen Fleming at the World T20. Brendan has been around the group at times. So um, I'm very comfortable with our process of appointing coaches. Likewise, I'm incredibly pleased of our performance over a number of years now of the black caps. Yes, at the moment, we, uh, we're, we're hitting a bit of a bumpy patch, but um, let's not forget what's been achieved by this team over a number of years now. Yeah, I don't think people are. I think people just, um, because when you perform very well and uh, you become a champion or you're very close to being a champion in all, very, uh, all the forms of the game, uh, I think people tend to expect more all the time, David. I think that's more about, as I said, it's a great reflection that people actually do care. Oh, and, and, and that's great, Smithy. And, and we care, of course we do. And um, we we, uh, we will be working to do everything we can to ensure that the uh, what, what's happened over the last few months will not be repeated. Um, I'd also like to say that um, England England did play well. Um, we were we were beaten by a better team. They won key moments, and, and they played some exceptional cricket as well. I, it was quite amazing to watch um, Bairstow play like a T20. I mean, is that something that's going to happen in the future? I don't know, but it's certainly kind of <laughs> changed the dial a bit, hasn't it? It's uh, really interesting to view. I think it's fair to say, I mean, you know, Brendan, uh, one of the things Brendan McCallum did in One Day International Cricket, as we all do know when he was playing for us, is that he made sure that the game stayed on in a, uh, an aggressive nature. In other words, he wanted something to happen basically every ball, uh, and it seems to me that from looking from the outside, that's pretty much his attitude as well as test cricket. And uh, obviously it works well so far. There will be days when it doesn't work. We, you and I have played enough cricket to know that it's not going to happen every single day he goes to the office. But you're, you might be right. You might have hit on something there that may be a trend going forward, not just for players, but for fans alike. Yeah, I mean, fair play to Brendan. I mean, he transformed our cricket, didn't he? Let, let's be honest. In 2012, he, he led the way, and that was fantastic. And, and he, it appears that he's doing it with England. So um, our guys are still in you know, in close contact with Brendan. Um, he's, he's obviously a passionate New Zealander, um, cares deeply mm. about cricket in New Zealand as well. 
Um, and who knows in the future, you know, he, he could be involved, but um, <laughs> he played a Brendan now. He's, yeah. He started off well, hasn't he? Yeah, you might have to get the checkbook out, mate. <laughs> uh, to be fair, his, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we can afford him at this stage. <laughs> I don't think. I'm not sure anyone could. To be fair, here's uh, uh, the other issue, which uh, uh, people and I'm not just saying this because I'm an ex-Sky employee. The numbers watching cricket and that these days. I, I read an article where you're pretty happy with with that, the way things are going, but still in some areas of New Zealand, uh, perhaps the rural areas, etc., people text us in and say they're finding it very hard to follow the black caps. What are the answers there? Well, you know, I've said before on a number of occasions, over the summer, our combination of the amount of cricket we've got on free-to-air um, and and the Super Smash. Now, we, we now have 64 games of domestic cricket, which is shown on on Spark. We used to have 15 on Sky. Um, it's extraordinary the coverage we're getting for domestic cricket. Um we're, likewise, we're getting free-to-air um, with um, black caps and white ferns as well as a combination. That 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 situation where the, the rural farmers, I mean, I know that Spark are looking at it and I know they're increasing the capacity all the time, but it's difficult for me to comment. On, I don't exactly know the facts. OK. Um, but, but you're confident that cricket has, has the ability to go into as many homes as it, as it ever did, yeah? We are we are accessing a lot more people than we ever did because we are on free to air as well. I mean, over fifty percent of our Super Smash games, men and women, are shown on free to air, and a lot of our um, international games, as well as a combination of um, of the digital process through Spark, who are doing a terrific job. Um, and one final one, Rich has come in. Can you please ask David White when the next FTP? I mean, that, I imagine that's future test uh, program will be released for the Black Caps uh, 2023 to 2027. Are they working on that one? Yeah, we are. It's, um, it's finalised. Um, there's a meeting in um, Birmingham, ICC meeting on the 23rd, and my understanding it's going to be released at the end of July. So that's all confirmed, and, and I can assure you that the fans are going to be delighted with the content that we've got. OK, David, thank you very much. Uh, I know you've been... Uh, Answering a few questions this morning. Thanks for uh, answering ours. I hope that's uh, cleared a few things up with our texters as such. Um, and thank you for your time, mate. Uh, let's uh, yeah, let's hope you. it thank goes uh, better. Cheers, mate. Okay, David White there, uh, former teammate and, uh, of course, CEO of uh, New Zealand Cricket with his uh, thoughts across the board. It is uh, coming up to uh, 11.30. I imagine you'll have some uh, texts and reply to that. That's uh, fine. Um, some short answers, some relatively short answers there and uh, what they're going to do about it. Um, and uh, quite clearly they are very, very happy, New Zealand cricket, with um, the level of coverage that they're getting, the type of coverage that they're getting. Um, uh, I, I get a lot of uh, personal messages and that to the extent that a lot of people aren't. Uh, and uh, that's that's uh, just a matter of opinion. But I do sympathise with uh, the people in our rural communities or people that just do not have fibre going past their uh, front uh, letterbox because uh, they are the true sports fans and they're the ones that have to travel the miles as well uh, when they get the opportunity to go. And if they can't, they like to stay in touch with the game. So I can see exactly uh, their point of view there. But the fact of the matter is, uh, and I was, I was gut-punched when uh, Sky lost it. I will be, I'll be honest with you. That was my, my job. I'm a, one of my great passions and I was... Absolutely. Um, I got FOMO there for a little while and uh, I'm now over it, thank goodness. But uh, is the 
that's that's the matter of the fact it's a business it's a business and you know you just have to um observe the the income and the outgoings and the bottom line and the income from spark was uh, sizably better than sky were able to come up with at the time and so from that point of view solely from that point of view to uh, ensure the security of the sport going ahead, et cetera, to the development of the sport going ahead um, was, uh, you know, it's imperative that you've got the money to be able to, to do that. Uh, so there's I, I, it's got to be a lot of angst, of course, uh, a lot of disappointment. Why isn't cricket coming to our era, et cetera, et cetera, at that time? But they can't play everywhere all the time, and, and uh, I guess they do their best for the game as, as they see fit with the opportunities that they have one of the uh, things that I, I should um, so I, I should have asked him of course is the development of the game at uh, junior level uh, because we didn't send a team to the last World Cup so we missed a generation of World Cup cricketers as such um, so that that was disappointing and uh, what are we going to do to help perhaps help those uh, particular players uh, catch up uh, a lot to digest there it is uh, coming up to uh, 11.31 here on SCNZ, which means you can light up the lines. You've been brilliant on the text machines this morning, and I absolutely thank you for that. We didn't even solicit calls when we got some early on in the piece, but now we are soliciting calls. 0800 150811. Brian Rarity will be your quiz master this morning. Uh, let's hope it goes uh, better than uh, Joey Bell. Every chance that it will. Uh, and so then uh, we will be uh, giving away to you uh, the possibility of some sleep drops and, of course, uh, 50 bucks worth of vouchers from the TAV. That comes after the news here from Aloha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it is time for Stumped by Smithy and the lunatic is back in charge of the asylum. Hey, Logs, if you're listening, I hope you're feeling better out there, mate. Um... Uh, as, as as stated, it is time for Stump by Smithy, uh, where we give you the opportunity of winning $50 from the TAB. However, it jackpotted yesterday. So today we have 100 bucks for Smithy, uh, sorry, for Smithy to uh, put on the line and try and jackpot it to 150 the next day, Smithy. Yeah, very good. Uh, okay, let's uh, do that. Who have we got lined up today, Brian, and what are the subjects? All right, so... Today, the subjects that we have, uh, let me just pull the script down. So the topics today are golf, baseball, and soccer football. First up to the crease is our mate Ed from Tolaga Bay. How are you, Ed? Hey, brothers. Hey, Smitty. Hey, Brian. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. How you going, Ed? All good? Well, I was because I won the Stanley Cup. Oh, no. <laughs> the one day he takes it out. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you want me to read them out again for you, Ed? Yes, please. Sweet, so the three you get to choose from today, golf, baseball, and soccer football. Take your pick. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, okay, I'll go golf. Golf. Here we go. Radio. Yes. Okay, so question number one, Ed. Live Golf will make its first US appearance this weekend. Which city is hosting? Oh, I've seen this too. Oh, no. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um. Uh. I've got no idea. I've got no idea, man. Um. Jeez. Up to you, Smitty. Sorry, mate. 
Oh, look, I, I got, I, honestly, I've read this article, but because I'm not interested in live golf, it hasn't stuck in the back of my head, which is frustrating me right at this very time, it's fair to say, Ed. Oh, I'm going to say it's uh, going to be played in uh, somewhere like Chicago. One of the worst things... Oh, the keeper drops. Drops the ball. This is the stumping. No, it was uh, Portland. It's Portland this uh, this weekend. Oh, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, of course it is. Yep. Second question. One of our show favourites here, Stephen Alka, competed in the US Senior Open over the weekend. What place did he finish? Oh, boy, I listened to that, but he was fourth. Oh, did he end up fourth? One of the worst things... Oh, it's gone through to the keeper. Oh. Actually, he didn't finish that well, I don't think. I, I think he shot um, at one stage, he, he was about three over, four over for his back, his last round, and then he, he had a trail of birdies. Uh, I think he probably finished about seventh. Oh. One of the worst uh. things... No, close, wow. close, but uh, he finished 11th with USA's David Toms at uh, one under par. Okay. Fair enough, fair all enough, right. David Toms, all good one. All right, now, Ed, uh, you've got nothing right so far, but you've made it to the last question, and everything is on the line for you to take away if you get yeah. this one right. Another one of our show favourites, Ryan Fox, has moved up to 56 in the world golf rankings. Who is the next Kiwi on that list, the world ranking list? Daniel? One of the worst. Oh, Daniel, the guy on oh, through to the keeper. Oh, no. Is it a Danny jackpot, Smithy? Is it a jackpot, Smithy? No. Is it? No. Um, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it a jackpot? Danny Lee. Um, no. I'm going to say, I'm going to take a punt here and go, this, this is left field. This is left field. Daniel Hillier. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh, mate. Last no ball of the match. Goes. He takes the stumps off. <laughs> oh, my goodness, mate. <laughs> it's back oh, to the Ed, pavilion, Ed. Beauty. Ed, you, oh, sorry, Ed. I'm sorry. It was a, it's, I know he finished either won a tournament on um, Satellite Series. Well, I didn't realise that that would put his rankings above Danny Lee. I thought when you said Danny Lee, I thought you were uh, sure of the money. So, hey, Ed, where do you play your golf, bro? Where do you play your golf? Where do you play on your the, golf? On the, on the oh, well, Bay's got a, got a golf course. What's it like? Well, it's only a small one. I think it's only got nine. Yeah? But, um, is it by the beach? Yeah, no, is it by the beach's links yeah, course? She's down by the beach, yeah. She's down by the beach right next to the rugby club. Okay. Okay, fair enough. What's your handicap? Oh, oh mate, I'm not a golfer. I'm, I'm a basher. You're a basher. Well, you didn't yeah, bash too well this morning. <laughs> well, you didn't whack it far enough this morning, mate. I'm sorry to say uh, you haven't won today, but uh, please continue to stay in touch. I love uh, I love talking to you. You're a hell of a character. So all the best down there, my friend. I'll, I'll and uh, we look, for, look well, I know you'll be back, Ed. Good on you, pal. Ed from Tolaga Bay there, uh, folks. Uh, we'll have another Stump Smithy tomorrow. Man, Wednesday, 130 bucks. 150 up for grabs tomorrow in the sleep drops. Get in early for that one. Uh, it is uh, 11.39, and when we come back, Mount Rushmore, Brian and I compare our Aussie Warriors.
Love that piece of music. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, instrumental on the Star Spangled Banner. It's 11.44 here, and it's uh, time, as we do on most Tuesdays, to look at our Mount Rushmore. Our category the, this morning was uh, Aussie Warriors. In other words, uh, players that have come across uh, the ditch to play for the Warriors and done it very well and very proudly as well. Uh, Brian Rarity uh, is a very passionate Warriors fan, and uh, he's uh, come up with four, and I've come up with four two of which we've got in common uh, because I think they're in everyone's top four. But, Brian, yeah, you're number four, first of all. Okay, so um, my my number four, he is uh, probably our best Aussie halves buy that we've ever had. He drove helped drive our team to the uh, grand final and made Sean Johnson appear like he was a better player than he actually is. Um, he was a pest. Uh, undersized, but always gave it his all on the park. Loved trash talking, especially against uh, the Warriors when he returned with the uh, chickens. Uh, my first choice, uh, fourth choice, is James Maloney. Now to Hohaya. Long ball here, a party looking for a hat-trick away from the touchline. Keeps it alive to McKinnon. McKinnon gets away, almost away. Ankle tap there by Dodds. Now it comes here to Maloney, stepping, weaving, going himself. He's over. The Warriors, they're all Now, of course, that was uh, against the Bronx when he scored 28 points himself. Well, my number four actually made his debut for the Warriors against the Bronx as well. In the very first ever Warriors performance against the Brisbane Broncos, it was their debut game. This fellow also played in the halves. He could play fullback as well, um, but uh, very good in the halves. Played 37 games for the Warriors between 95 and 97. First ever player to score a try in first grade for the club. And this is how that try sounded. That iconic night. So the Warriors now with Alexander. Calling the tune. Taiwan. Taiwan comes inside. Oh, great ball. Blake. Phil Blake. He gets the try. But Taiwan. What a magical piece of ball. Mate, uh, we, we loved him, <laughs> me and my brother growing up, eh? we thought he was amazing, him, John Simon, who unfortunately didn't make my uh, list because we're on to my third now. Okay, so okay. my third was our uh, was probably the Warriors' first genuine hooker that they ever brought. People listening, I've seen his name come through twice today, and uh, one of the guys said he was outstanding, which he was. Uh, he paired up with, uh, in the days of um, our man, uh, the boxer, Monty Beatham, uh, and... Oh, here's my little thing I wrote about him. So he was our first genuine hooker. He brought steel and determination to the team, played out of his skin every week, led by example, was a great organiser, gave them direction from the middle and front with that amazing prop rotation. My number three today, uh, the great PJ Marsh. Torpy, he beat the tackle of Kelly. Here's Francis Melly looking for a treble. Down the left side, Marsh comes up. Marsh puts the ball over the line. That is a sensational start. Raps Warren there and PJ Marsh in action. Absolutely brilliant. Well, nine number three uh, also played in that game. You might have heard his name being mentioned in the very first part of the commentary. Uh, Brandy. Brandy Alexander. Um, he was so highly thought of, uh, he was awarded the captaincy after Dean Bell retired. The great Brandy. Back they come again. Alexander, they've come up out of the line, Brisbane. It's with Salomona Wakasini. Now it's Rapati. Rapati. Four tries for Auckland. Oh, 
Ain't no party like a T.R.O. party. Hey, oh. nah, I'm going to jump in and do number three and beat you to it. Yeah, go on. Uh, you know, we've been crying out for one of these guys, Brian, haven't we, for the last couple of years? An enforcer, a guy that's just prepared to stand out there and say, look, follow me, guys. If there's any any ruckus here, I'm in the middle of it and I want you behind me. And I want, don't want you to miss a tackle. I want you to bleed for this club. I just want you to, I just want you to give everything you've ever got. Has there ever been uh, anyone more so demonstrating that than Kevin Campion? Five tackles gone, and again the call is there for the defence. It's a punch up. Webkey is trading punches with Campion. Mander has stopped play. Yeah, I think the Shane Webkey will be penalised here. He was nailed by Kevin Campion on the inside pass and took exception to it. Very rare to see Webke show this kind of emotion. Former teammates, of course, the Brisbane club, but I think Shane is at fault. <laughs> Back in the days, you could punch a man and they're at fault for it, eh? <laughs> Getting their chin in the way, yeah, silly buggers. <laughs> hey, uh, OK, your honour, your honour, mate, the last one, and I think that's everyone's, isn't it? Surely. Has to be. Has to be. Okay, argu- arguably, geez, one of the greatest to ever wear the Warriors jersey. Played with the club from 2005 to 2009, appearing in 91 games. He came to the team after they experienced their worst season ever in 04, finishing 14th out of the 15 teams that year and winning only six games. He was appointed captain to rejuvenate the team. 2007 was a huge year for him. His performances were recognised at the annual Daily M Awards, Daily M Awards, where he won Captain and Prop of the Year. He ran 4,515 metres with the ball that year, more than any other forward in history at the time, and he scored an amazing runaway try when the uh, junior props were watching him from the sideline. The great Steve Price. Last tackle for Warriors and Jones. They had so much field position early. Their net return was only one try. Hoffman's underneath it. Oh, Steve Price! Steve Price has done a Steve Kieran. Incredible stuff. Oh, Moses was a boy, Fanny, when Price last scored a double in a match. You know I bleed red and black. Morning, we've had a really busy morning. Uh, we couldn't quite get a hold of Dooley, but uh, thanks very much to your calls for uh, helping us out and talking some uh, cricket on the morning after uh, the end of a series, which uh, we got drubbed in, to be perfectly honest. Uh, we lost uh, 3-0. There will be some fallout from that, I'm sure. Perhaps not so much as uh, it would be for an all-black test uh, series losing 3-0, but certainly uh, there will be some fallout. David White saying they look at things after every tour. Not quite sure that we, uh, we're going to get uh, wholesale changes at the top with Gary Stead or Kane Williamson or such, but the fact of the matter is we aren't as good as we thought we were a month ago. It's as simple as that. Uh, and they have taught us how to play cricket at a quicker rate and uh, with a lot more confidence than we apparently to possess. Uh, what it, does it mean, though, that we have <coughs> learned anything about team selection and our use of spinners? That seems to be the... One of the big issues, as you've texted in this morning, and I thank you very much for all those uh, texts, and uh, we'll still continue to answer them tomorrow, particularly on cricket coverage. Staffy's with us now as we look forward to this afternoon, and rumours abounding uh, that maybe Will Jordan's got the dreaded bug. Yeah, I sort of uh, flagged that yesterday, Smithy. I've heard Will Jordan, I've heard Quinta Pyre is symptomatic, I've heard George Bauer. Um, has got it as well uh, and a bit like a snowball Smithy, a COVID snowball I don't think this is the mm. end of it either it's um, it's a real dilemma Well it is and that means your midfield, if you don't have if you don't have 
Jack Goodyear, if you don't have David Harvey, if you don't have Quinta Pire, you have to have Roger Tuivasa-Shet. Do you not? Yeah, or um, I've sort of thrown up... Geordie Barrett. Yeah, Geordie Barrett to 12, because I'm also hearing Richie Morgan has got the flu as well, because I sort of thought maybe Bodie Barrett's going to have to go to fullback and Richie Morgan mm. to 10, because I don't know if they'd go Roger Tuivasa-Shet and Stephen Petafeta. Um, but, geez, they're running thin. Braden Enor into the squad. Would he be thrown in at a late minute? I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he probably would, actually, because at least he's played there in Test Rugby. So I would imagine and he's, he's playing pretty well at the end for the Crusaders, too. So uh, that's one issue I'm sure you're going to cover. What's your midday madness today, mate? Uh, Ranfurly Shield memories, Smithy. Of course, the Shield oh. is tomorrow, so your favourite Ranfurly Shield memories. Nostalgia goes crazy in midday madness. I can't wait. I've got one particular one. Uh, no surprise. It's a long time ago, Smithy. It's a long <laughs> time ago. But we've, we've cut up some uh, memorable ones, and I want to hear what the listeners have got to say about the Ranfurly Shield, my favourite sporting uh, prize in New Zealand. Mm, no doubt about that. And... Uh, anything else? Uh, John Norman, Talk Sport, UK cricket commentator. We've got a correspondent coming out oh. of Wimbledon as well, a uh, host of New Zealand Warriors podcast and a whole lot of other stuff. Smithy. And my favourite two Aussie Warriors, Michael Luck and James Maloney. Oh, OK. Thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you also to Jake for helping us out uh, on the panel this morning, for Brian to uh, jumping across to uh, the big chair and handling it with aplomb and, of course, to Araha as always with her efficiency. Been a great morning. We'll see you tomorrow at the same time, 9 o'clock here on SE. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.